If you would, uh, open your Bibles or Bible apps, however you prefer. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, if this is your first time with us, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're in the middle of a series uh, we've just called In Christ. Um, and uh, in, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, we have seen all these things we believe, why we believe them. And so in the last three chapters of Ephesians, we see how it affects how we live or our walk. Uh, and just like we don't uh, take one step and say, okay, I went for a walk. Uh, we, we don't do that. Our, our spiritual lives are the same. Uh, it is continuous. It's one step after another until we get to the destination. Now, okay, be honest. How many of us, uh, we get up from the couch and we walk into the kitchen and we completely forget why we walked into the kitchen? Is it just me? or Okay, all right. It's all of us. Uh, you know, sometimes I think um, we we're walking on this journey of faith and we forget the destination. Um, we, we get so distracted by, by, by so many different things. Um, man, the goal is unity as a church. The goal is eternity. The, the goal is being like Christ. And what that takes is one step after another, after another, in the direction of faith, we have to continue, continuously be moving forward. We saw last week that as believers, we are different. Uh, we are different in the way we think and act uh, and, and speak. Uh, knowing and learning Christ, chapter 4, verse 20, it changes our values and our goals because our values begin with the way we think. As those who have trusted Jesus, we think with our hearts and our hearts belong to Jesus. And so that makes all the difference in the world. We have seen it before. We can know about Christ and not really know Christ. And so we have to check our own hearts. If we can go through life and our thoughts consistently line up with things that would not honor God and are filled with all sorts of ungodly things, then we need to do a heart check because there is a disconnect Somewhere, If we can go through life and our actions consistently dishonor God and our lives are filled with ungodly actions, we need to do a heart check because there is a serious disconnect somewhere. And that disconnect is likely in what we are putting in our minds other than the truth of the Word of God. And that's something that I need to hear again. The disconnect between our actions and what we claim to, who we claim to serve. I'm clicking, aren't I? The disconnect is, is in what we are putting in our minds other than the Word of God. We have to be intentionally filling our lives with the truth of the Word. And it's not that we'll be perfect when we do, but we should have a desire to please the Lord if we truly know Him. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and approve what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See the truth of the word. It renews our minds. James 1.21 Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Remember from last week that word overflow in verse 21. It, it means the residue. It's referring to the, the residue of wickedness remaining over in a Christian from his or her prior state of conversion. It's, it's the flesh. It's what we fight against. Here in Ephesians, it's what we are to lay aside, what we are to put off. That's how who we are in Christ 
affects the way we live. We're not overcome by the residue. We are overcome and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So when we do that, then we walk in unity. Today we see three more ways we are called to walk when we are controlled by the Spirit. And so if you are able, please stand out of respect for the Word of God as we begin chapter 5 here. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the, by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless the reading of your word and that you would just continue to speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, so uh, depending on what translation you are looking at there, you may see our passage outlined al already. We are instructed first to walk in love, secondly to walk in light, and thirdly to walk in wisdom. And it sounds really good and super spiritual, but what does it mean? Well, let's dive in and see. Number one, walk in love. Therefore, verse one says, be imitators of, of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So what does it look like to walk in love? Well, it looks like us being like Christ. That's, that's what walking in love is looks like. You can probably guess what this word for love is. It is agape. We have seen it many times before. Uh, and, and we throw that word around pretty loosely in our culture. We love products and restaurants, uh, we, and we love Jesus, but we do not love them the same way. And so when we are called to walk in love, God is not talking about uh, the kind of love that I have for the smokehouse um, brisket and cheddar sandwich at, at uh, Firehouse. It's, it's different. You know, I, I love that sandwich. But it's not the, the same kind of love that I have for Jesus. He's talking about agape love. It's a type of unconditional, not self-centered, expecting nothing in return. The type of love that Jesus shows us. So what does it take to, to show this kind of love? It, well, be like Jesus. We look at his example. 
In his love, he gave his life in obedience to what God called him to. Continued there in chapter 5, Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Think about when you, uh, you walk into the house and there's uh, an apple pie or, or cookies or a cake or maybe just bacon. You know, I mean, something smells really good. You're, uh, you start anticipating what is to come. You've enjoyed, whether you know it or not, you've enjoyed these things in the past and you look forward to experiencing them again. And so when, when Jesus loved with agape love so that he gave his life for us in obedience, his sacrifice was a sweet-smelling aroma that pleased God because God knew everything that was to come because of it. God was pleased to sacrifice to, by, by the sacrifice because it brought salvation and reconciliation to his most precious creation. This, this, this God that we sang about here today, it, it tells us a lot about him. I mean, he is, he is all-powerful and all-present. The one who spoke the stars into existence, the billions upon billions of stars, he spoke each one and named each one. He holds the universe in his hand, and yet he still loves you and me so much that he would give his son to take our place be a substitute for his wrath. So really, we, we do know what, what love looks like. And, and we do know what walking in love looks like. It's being like Christ. So I ask you this morning, is there anything in your life that would be considered not Christ-like? Take, take a minute. Just think. I mean, if, if there is something, it's probably already come to mind. What is keeping you from confessing it and forsaking it? Is there anything in your life that would be considered not Christ-like? In the next few verses, we are shown what not walking in love looks like. Notice these not Christ-like things listed here. Verse 3, uh, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So let's just kind of go through this list. Fornication, it's anything sexual outside of a one man and one woman marriage. Anything. Uh, in the Greek, this is where we get our word for pornography. And so this includes thoughts and actions. The word tells us uh, no fornicator has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. So, so again, if we, if we call ourselves born-again believers, but we can just live, we're okay with living lives of fornication, that we need to check our hearts because there is a disconnect. That is walking in lust, not love. The next one on the list is uncleanness. That's basically impurity that can cover motives and actions that are, are, are reckless, extravagant, or wasteful. No unclean person has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And of course, let us not forget, we are only clean 
because of Jesus. He's the only way we get clean. We cannot get there on our own. Uh, covetousness, it's, it's a greedy desire for more. Verse 5 calls these, these type of people idolaters. It's worshiping stuff rather than the one who has given it. No idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to list filthiness, referring to obscene, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. That's, uh, that's referring to spreading lies about someone with the intent to harm their reputation. These are not Christ-like. These are not walking in love. These are walking in lust and hate and selfishness and greed. And rather than these, we are told in verse 4 to give thanks. Give thanks for your spouse or your future spouse if you're not married. Give thanks that God promises to give us wisdom to do the right thing and that he changes our desires and motives to honor him. Give thanks for all that God has given you. Choose to be content because contentment is a thankful place. Choose to put stuff in its rightful place, which is not the same place as God. As God's people, we should be thankful people. I think so often we just, we just aren't. Everything on this list, it brings the wrath of God on the sons of disobedience. We've seen that phrase before. Um, remember chapter 2, there is, there is nothing more terrifying than the wrath of God. In, in chapter 2, verse 2, we are described as sons of disobedience. When we were dead, when we were Satans, when we were doomed, you might remember. But Jesus changes everything. So how do we walk in love? We be like Christ. How did he do it? Through obedience and thankfulness. The next blanks on your outline. Through obedience and thankfulness. Secondly, we're to walk in light. Pick it up in verse 8. It says this, for you were once darkness. I find it interesting that it says you were once darkness, not in darkness, but you were just once darkness. You were once the overarching presence of darkness. It's a metaphor for the ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery in hell and how these visibly hold sway over someone. That's the, that's the exact definition. So not only were we dead, were we Satans, were we doomed in chapter 3, now we see we were ungodly, immoral, and headed for misery in hell. The verse continues, but now you are light in the Lord. You're not just in the light. You are the light of Christ. Uh, the word for light here is, is deep. It refers to uh, the power of understanding moral and spiritual truth. And it brings spiritual maturity with it. So, so how can there be uh, people who have claimed to be Christians for decades but have no spiritual maturity? It's because they don't walk in the light. Light produces fruit. So that's why the commandment is to walk as children of light. See, we don't just accept Jesus and then we're done. That's like just taking one step and saying we went for a walk. We keep taking one step after another in the direction of Jesus, in the direction of truth. We keep taking one step after another away from the old self and our old selfish ways. We don't want to go back to the old us. The reality is we cannot be in light and dark 
simultaneously. We have been made new, and the call is to act like it. Here's what the new you looks like. Verse, verse 9. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. That word goodness, it means uprightness of heart or kindness. It is in action. It's love in action. Goodness and righteousness. Righteousness means uh, it's purity and correctness in the way we think, feel, and act. In the, those, those things that we're different in. Next one on the list is, is truth. And we know God's word is truth. John 17, 17. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Shine the light of Christ on them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So in Christ... We go from sleeping to being active, from death to life, from darkness to light. And notice that the promise here is for you. You can write that down. The promise is for you. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So is Jesus calling your heart to wake up today? Because he will give you light. Put your faith in him and trust him. We know that darkness does not like light. Think about if you uh, got up early in the morning when it was dark and you just turned your bedroom light on. What would, what would your spouse say? <laughs> they wouldn't be happy, right? They just wouldn't. It's just not very nice. Nobody wants that. In the same way, those living in darkness don't want to be exposed to the light unless the Spirit of God is working in their hearts. Are we thankful that the Spirit of God still works on hearts? I believe that the Spirit of God is, has been working and is still working on hearts today. And so if you sense the Spirit of God working on yours, don't deny it. If there is something in your life that would be considered not Christ-like, allow His light to expose it today, confess it, realize that He loves you still, even though you've messed up. Trust in His love. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It's a call to walk in light for those who have not yet begun, but it's also an admonition for those who have to stay the course. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, do, do our lives shine the way to Christ, or do we make it harder for people to see the, the way to Christ? Do we have a lack of, of goodness and righteousness and a lack of standing on the truth? 
And so it makes it harder for people to see the way to Christ. Why would anyone want the Jesus we claim to serve if we are no different than anybody else? And it's sometimes we're worse. If our light doesn't look any different from their darkness, then we don't have the light. If our light doesn't look any different than their darkness, then we don't have the light. Check your heart today. How do we walk in love through obedience and thankfulness? How do we walk in light? By exposing the darkness. Exposing the darkness. Allowing Jesus to shine through one foot in front of the other toward the things of God and away from the residue of the old us. Finally, number three, we're called to walk in wisdom. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another in the fear of God. So walk in wisdom. Notice that word circumspectly in verse 15. It means to, to look around, to be aware, to be exact, accurate, and diligent. It's, it's really the opposite of, of being careless. Because if you think about it, it's really easy to be careless. It takes absolutely no effort. And God's word calls these people fools, tossed, to and fro by whatever comes their way. But to be alert, it's work. It takes intentionality. It takes diligence. Because there is wisdom that comes from the, the world, but there is also wisdom that comes from the Lord. And there is a big difference. Look at James 3, 13 through 18. He says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So Notice a few connections with James and Ephesians. See, we can walk in worldly wisdom. And we see what that, what that looks like. It's laden with bitter envy and self-seeking, verse 14. Worldly wisdom is all about me and and what I want and making myself look good. And we are all capable of being this way. And we see this kind of wisdom all over the place. Verse 15 calls it demonic. It's, It's fueled by Satan. He wants us focused on our me monster so that we don't point the way to Jesus. Who is supposed to be our focus. Verse 16 says it leads to confusion. And again, we see people walking in this kind of wisdom all the time. Our world is run by this kind of wisdom. But godly wisdom, the kind that Ephesians calls us to walk in, is different. 
There is a difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, and you can write that down. Verse 17 says that it is pure and it leads to holiness. It is peaceable. So it, it makes peace. It doesn't, doesn't just keep peace. And there is a difference. Uh, Jesus said that peacemakers are blessed in Matthew 5. Sometimes keeping the peace means to allow sin to go unchecked, and that's not what we're called to do. James goes on to say that, that godly wisdom is gentle and willing to yield, which is uh, a willingness to, to listen to the other side of an argument and, and defer preference to someone while still standing on the truth. So, so godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. When we walk in this kind of wisdom, we redeem the time because the days are evil, verse 16 says. Redeem means to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity to do good so that we buy back time, so to speak, with our zeal and good works. That's the definition of redeem there. God's word is, is rich and deep. What's it saying to you this morning? Don't mistake conviction for condemnation. The voice of condemnation is not God's. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the voice of conviction, it requires action. What is God calling you to act upon? The, the chapter finishes by telling us to not be drunk, to sing. And make melody in our hearts to the Lord. I heard something this week. A sign of a, a healthy church is crying babies and singing men. Think about that. Crying babies and singing men. Spiritual leaders who will worship God. And, and babies who are coming up. It tells us to give thanks always for all things. To submit to one another out of fear of the Lord. This is how we walk in wisdom. And if it sounds impossible to keep up, I understand it's a lot of work and we cannot do it without being in Christ. When we are, when we unite as the church body, seeing that we are all in the same boat, we are all on the same team, when one of us struggles, another one's there to pick us up, when one messes up, the rest of us are there to forgive and restore. And so we walk in love and light and wisdom as individuals. And then we come together to walk in love and light and wisdom as the church. As we go to the Lord in this time of invitation, Ben comes. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes and just, uh, just consider what the book of Ephesians here and God's word is saying to you this morning. Is there anything in your life that would be considered not Christ-like? What is it that's, what's keeping you from confessing it and forsaking it? And Satan would love for you to live in bondage to whatever that is. That's exactly where he wants you to be. So there may be some who just need to need to confess and kind of put a, 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 a mark in the sand, a, a stake in the ground, and say, okay, on this day, this is where I gave that up and I'm walking away from it. Maybe you need to get help. Maybe you need to get accountability. That's what church, this church family is for.
you have struggles, man, we, we all do. You need, you need help. You got to reach out. How is God calling you to walk in love? What's happened this week that you just need to, to show the love of Christ? How is God calling you to walk in light? Because Satan would have you walk in, in darkness. That residue wants to take over. What's God calling you to walk in wisdom? How is he doing that? Obedience, thankfulness, being like Christ. Lord, we, we just want to thank you for your word. And Lord, I just, uh, I, I know because, because we're all human, Lord. For some here, it's been a difficult week. And, and Lord, we uh, probably often we wonder, okay, is this really what life is all about? God, I pray that you would give us a new resolve to walk in love and light and wisdom, to be like Christ, to be obedient, to be thankful for whatever that you are allowing in our lives because we do know that it is shaping us, even through difficulty, Lord. Lord, we do thank you for this church family and, and Lord, what you are doing here. But God, we need you. We need you, Lord. So continue to, to, to work in our hearts as we sing. We invite you to come. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.